How's it going, everyone? Today, our special guest is Dr. Jason Piccolo. Jason, who I had the honor of being on his podcast at the onset of COVID, The Protector's Life, is a Army veteran, um, left the Army as a captain, law enforcement uh, background with the U.S. Border Patrol, two published books, incredible books, again, podcaster. It seems like you're everywhere, man, and you're involved in so many great things. So if you can't want to give me like a little uh, status check of what you've been up to. Yeah, man. Uh, like you said, federal agent for about 21 years today. So 21 years doing that. I was in the Army in the 90s as an enlisted dude, and then I was a captain later on, man. I've uh, been up to a lot with the Protectors, Protectors podcast, trying to bring that to, you know, try to get as much visibility as possible with that. And now I'm involved with an organization called Hunter 7 Foundation. And what we do is we, we talk about burn pits and we'll get into that during this discussion. But yeah, man, burn pits, toxic exposure and trying to raise awareness to like my generation, our generation's agent. Right. So I guess my first kind of question in terms of the burn pits is, can you kind of run down what exactly is a burn pit? Now, growing up, every time I would throw uh, like a plastic cup in a fire, there'd be black smoke. My parents would be like, hey, it's bad for the environment. And I would stop or when they turn their backs, I'd do it again. But as yeah. you got older, you kind of realized that that black smoke isn't good for anyone or anything. So if you kind of give a background of why the burn pits were started in Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, we they do, they the military has been using burn pits for you know since probably the inception of the military anytime you have trash or feces people don't realize like that anything that you can't just dispose of um, gets burned and the problem with the war zone is it's a lot different because in order you can't just have a garbage truck come up grab your garbage and take it off post because the garbage man could actually get killed by insurgents or, or any other of the enemy so what happens is on these military boats camps forward operating bases they burn everything because that's the only quote, logical thing that they could do. So what they do is they have these big pits. And for instance, I was in a place called Balad, Iraq. And this was a huge air base. It's about 90 miles north of Baghdad. And what we had was like just several football field size pit. They dug it out and everything goes in there. Medical waste, uh, munitions, feces, as I said. Um, anything and everything, used batteries, poisons, you know, like, you know, chemicals, anything goes in there and they burn it. They throw, they douse it with jet fuel and they light it on fire. And it's not like, you know, a pit, like, a, you know, you're going to go to a factory over here in the United States where they're burning trash and everything. You have to go to an incinerator. Now, this is just open air burn pits, they call them. <clears throat> it's so, yeah, man, that's that's essentially what a burn pit is. You mentioned Balad. Now, one of the testimonies I kind of went for me to kind of learn like the history of the burn pits is uh, Leon Russell, uh, Keith. His testimony where it talked about mm -hmm. the smoke being thick like pollen or staining the sheets. And so at what point did when that was happening that someone kind of realized that, hey, this is a real issue. Like this, this is a problem. Well, that's the thing is they figured that out way early in a war. And I think it was 2007 study where they sent a colonel over there 
And he took a look at the pits and said, yeah, it's not good, but they never did anything about it. So I was there in 06 and it was just a mess, man. And it wasn't just like that in Iraq. It was that, and we're talking every forwarding operating base, every camp, everywhere had pits that you're burning this stuff. And it's always been a problem. It still is a problem. I'm sure. Um, they're not getting rid of the refuse. They're not getting rid of anything. And what's happening is these pits are still going. A lot of people will say, well, the smoke is rising. But the problem with that is you and I both know that smoke may rise, but there's always something in the, on the level, the wind shifts or anything else like that. And his smoke is filled with what they call particulate matter. And people are like, well, what's particulate matter? And I'm like, well, what it is is all that burning and all that stuff all mixes together. And it becomes finite. It becomes microscopic. And not only does it go up and spread out throughout the countryside, but it also goes throughout the whole camps. So let's let's try to equate the size of what Balad was. Um, it's like a small town, a small town with maybe, you know, 10,000 people in it. So imagine 10,000 people day in and day out being exposed to this just massive smoke clouds that eviscerate throughout the whole camp and it, it goes through doors it goes through everything i mean anywhere where there's an airway can get in it's going to go in so what this particulate matter is all that stuff junked in together microscopic goes in through your nose in through your mouth and goes past your body's natural protective barriers you know all like the hairs right. and all the other good stuff it goes into your lungs or into your other parts of your body and gets embedded and what happens is your body naturally tries to fight it off, but we don't know what's involved with this particulate matter that it's not getting fought off. And you're finding thousands of troops getting cancers. And I said troops, but I should actually mention that it's not just troops, right? Contractors, civilians, um, department of defense. It's everybody that's been exposed to it. So it's not just soldiers. What's fascinating is that some of the chemicals that rise from the burn pits are actually were found in Agent Orange in Vietnam. And so when I read that, I'm kind of – it's weird how you use this weapon in caught war, yet the supposed reasoning for using the burn pits to clean up the – keep everyone safe or get rid of trash and waste, you're actually doing the same thing as mm -hmm. like Agent Orange. So it's just fascinating that nothing was done sooner. Now, was there someone that – Hey, this person died, or like now I know we're going to lead into the Hunter Seven with Bowman and stuff. But what what was the catalyst to kind of hey let's we we know this is a problem? Was the VA involved? Was like CD like who gets involved at the at the big level? Be like hey, we need to put a stop to this. Well, the VA started the burn pit registry back in I think 2012, 2013. Well, the problem is they started a nice registry. Great. Now you have a registry of everybody that could have been exposed to it within the veteran community and within the military community. But the thing is, what are you going to do with that information? Yes, granted, you have a big list, but unless you're actually doing something to determine what these cancers are and what is going on, nothing's going to happen. Now, the problem is a lot of people have died, a lot of uh, high-level people, a lot of, you know, just people like everyday people that are dying from these cancers, that there is a lot of awareness now. But, you know, coming on shows like yours, doing doing a show with Hunter 7 called Ground Truth, trying to raise awareness to it so we could actually do something, not just, you know, 
awareness is great, but unless you're actually doing something about it, it's not going to help. So what the problem is, is we don't know exactly who was exposed because as we mentioned before, contractors, civilians, et cetera, have all have these issues. And me, for instance, I've been out of the service for years. Do I go to the VA for any of my healthcare concerns? No. Do I trust going to the VA for my healthcare concerns? Not particularly, you know? So we don't know how many people have been affected by this toxic exposure and this particulate matter that go to civilian doctors, that go see their private practice and get looked at. So one thing we're trying to do is we're trying to get legislation where, hey, you know what? When you go to a private doctor, just fill out this form. It's just an extra form saying, okay, um, during such and such, I was deployed to this war zone or, or this zone because it not, doesn't necessarily have to be a war zone. This is happening in every, you know, every four-day operating area. It could be Africa. It could be anywhere where there's troops burning stuff. So it's just, it's a big pain in the ass, brother, you know, right. I'm it's, trying to get a movement behind it before, you know, like you said, agent orange, man, took us 50 years ago. Oh, wow. Is there a duty for the military or whoever that, Hey, we don't, our troops were in this area. They're getting, uh, cancers and stuff. Are you, do you, is there a duty to go back to, to these areas in Afghanistan or Iraq and let the local people know that, hey, you may have been here. If you were here, this is what were happening. Like, how do you how do you help those people that are civilians that different, different whole different culture? And, you know, that's a whole other aspect of it, man. I mean, what happens is you and I both know you open this up and everybody starts really looking at it and then it becomes, you know, a billion dollar problem. $2 billion, $1 trillion problem. Because think about it. We've been operating for almost, yeah, this year will be 20 years yep. at war. And we've been burning everything. And you know what? I'm not going to blame it on soldiers. I'm not going to blame it on, uh, you know, the immediate chains of command. Because this there were so many contractors over there, uh, contract owners, that set up these burn pits and didn't provide adequate health measures. And you're always going to get the person that's going to be like, well, why don't they just wear a gas mask every day? <laughs> I've never been in what they call mission-oriented <laughs> protective posture, which is mop, which is, you know, for more than an hour or more than two hours. And try to tell people that I'll just wear a gas mask 24-7, 365. It doesn't quite work that way. And when we're talking about particulate matter, hmm, can I get through any of those protective barriers? Probably. And we don't know about skin absorption. We don't know about exactly what this stuff is because think about it when you go you know i grew up in the united states i grew up didn't do any foreign travel when i was a kid maybe we went you know down to one of the islands or something my body is adjusted to the united states i've grown up here but if i go to overseas and you you add all this burning stuff in with uh finite sands and environmental and you make this big gook microscopic hook and it goes in my body we don't know what's doing it and think about gulf war syndrome you know the gulf war we just had the anniversary of the gulf war the other day and we still don't know what the gulf, gulf war syndrome is we still don't really you know have a grasp on trying to save all our vietnam veterans from agent orange and and whatever else man so we got to do something now 
And that's why I'll, I'll do shows like yours all day long because I know there's vested people out there who want to know what's going on. It's fascinating that in times of like the war, like your war can end by your war. I mean, you you do your time, you come back to stateside. But years down the road, if you were in Desert Storm, Desert Shield, or Balad, you're still fighting that battle with you every day with your health. And so it, it's just fascinating to me that there's not more because you go into the military, you have to pass the PT test, pass health. You can't. You have to do all these crazy tests. Mm-hmm. Yet the minute you get out, it's almost like they don't. We, you're good enough to get in, and then when you get out, just go to the VA or go to your local doctor to kind of deal with. Like, how uh-huh. come there's no there's no outro testing? Is that a, an issue? Obviously. And that's the thing is like I put in for a claim back in oh, probably about five six years ago now, because you could probably hear it now. You and I are talking in the morning. Um, and when I wake up, I, I'm just so congested, um, you know, every day. And then, you know, when I, I used to be in really good shape, you know, I could run half marathons and stuff like that. Um, but now I'm lucky if I could, you know, run hundred yards without getting smoked out. Right. And there's a lot of other things like, you know, intense ear pressure, all sorts of other stuff that I can't explain. So that's why I have a vested interest in this because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I do have um, the VA reopen my claim. I don't know if it has anything to do with, you know, being vocal. Last week I got chest x-rays. Um, three or four weeks ago I did the, uh, the the breath test where you blow into the thing. The thing is when you do a claim, you don't get the results. So I have no idea if it's what's going on. So you can go to the VA. They can run all the tests. But when you're doing a claim, they don't tell you what the results are until they adjudicate your claim. And then they don't even tell you. So right. who knows, man? When it comes to what are the things you could do to, instead of burn pits, if you have to burn stuff, what are, what are the ways that the other options they give you if you have the ability to do so? In a, is there a safer measure of getting rid of this trash? I don't know, brother. I don't know. And, you know, that's something that we need to figure out. You know, when you have refuse, when you have you – know, we all go to the bathroom. I mean, right. it's not pretty. But when you're throwing the feces and everything else into a pit and not even a pit, let's just talk about a burn barrel. You're throwing everything in there and you're burning it. What's coming out, man? You know. And how big is these like the what you're in Balad, how big yeah. is this? How big and hot is this thing burning? It's it's figure three football fields. Jeez. Three football fields, 24-7. And they start with diesel fuel. But remember, diesel fuel burns pretty hot, right? But hey, you know, you're on an airbase. Let's throw jet fuel on it. But it's literally 24 7, 365 days a year. And you could, you know, you'd wake up and it's just this putrid smell. But, you know, smelling is great, but it's like carbon monoxide. Do you, do you smell it? No, not really. It just goes into your body. Um, and that's like the thing, man. It's just they were putting troops in guard towers right next to the pit. Jeez. You know, and it's like, can you imagine? They're like, well, you just go up there and you, you put the mask on. But even if you had the mask on, man, what is seeping into the rest of your orifices, your body, man? You know, come on. Now, there's still active bird pits today. Oh, I'm sure there is, you know, because gotcha. um, you still got to get rid of the refuse. So if you're a if you're serving a man or woman serving right now and over there and you're familiar with Hunter Sabbath or people like yourself, that are bringing attention to this. You're almost kind of helpless, right? Because there's nothing they could do except 
heed the caution from you saying, "Hey, this is what's going to happen." Like, how do you how do you mentally juggle that if you're over there? Be you're you're a watch of this burn pit, and there's nothing you can do. Unfortunately, the only thing you could do is document, 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 write everything down. I didn't do that. I knew it because I was there. But if I was hindsight, I would have been taking pictures. I would have been like, "Okay, I live here. Or this is an adjacent to here, and you know, this is what's going on." And I would have documented, 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 and that includes civilians. I don't want to just, and you know, the contractor world's it's a little funny because a lot of people are like, well, they're getting paid X amount of money to go over there and do a job, blah, blah, blah. They're making tons of money. Who cares if they die? That's the mentality of some people out there. My viewpoint is this, is a, a, a lucrative $200,000 a year job worth your life? And you know, if you're a, a rich person, politician, or anybody else involved with, you know, building these pits out or or anything else, those that contractor's life is worth just as much as anybody else's life. Right. What's fascinating, I think, with the new administration, I think there's a change towards uh, uh, the Green Deal, like safety and environmental and all that. But I'm kind of curious now if. You would think, if you are about the environment, that burn pits would be a number one thing you try to get rid of, what they're doing to the environment. Not, not even wildlife, but the ozone layer, the atmosphere. It's. I'd be curious to see if there's a push now to, hey, if you're going to tell major cities in China or Jakarta, hey, stop with your smog pollution, why don't you start with the burn pits too? Like it's just, yeah. it's very fascinating. Yeah, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, man. And everything was like the the styrofoam, the ozone. Right. I mean, everything. So uh, it's interesting to see that, you know, now, you know, 40 years later, 30 years later, that this is still happening. And it's produced by the government. You know, in, right? tw in 2019, there was a bill signed by President Trump uh, that got brought to his desk about the burn pits. Is Was that the first major legislature that came uh, – Keep forward. Yeah, as far as I know, definitely. And you know, that's the thing is like, you could legislate all you want. I'd like to see something get passed. I'd like to see a bipartisan pill get passed that says, "Hey, you know what? We're going to direct such and such resources towards this." And don't just throw money at it. Don't just, you know what? I, I would, you know, any money I would get from a claim, you could take it back. Just give me my health back. Find out what is killing us, killing the, the veteran and civilian and contractor community, anybody exposed to it. Find out what's doing it. That's where you throw the money at. We need research. We need documentation. And we need data. Data is key whenever you try to figure this stuff out. You could have an awesome burn pit registry with a million names on it, two million names. But unless you actually do something with data, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Jason Piccolo, Exposed, Blood, 2006. What else? Right. You know, what what kind of health conditions have I had since then? Right. Yeah, it's it's very fascinating. And again, I can't wrap my head around that you go in there, tip top shape. You came if you have asthma, the certain stuff you can, like all this craziness. And the minute you leave, the VA is kind of like, yeah, come in. Like, and I, and I say that because my CEO Chris, he's a Marine, and his biggest what well, sometimes he hit when he has bad days. Um, it's about the VA because they're not doing anything, and it's all this. You just see these people and they're suffering, and it's just it's fearing for me because the veterans and men and women like yourself, like you, you put so much, you put you give your life on the line. The least they can do is kind of, hey, let's make sure, let's bring it back 
as best we can to kind of help them. Just sad. Very sad. And unless it affects someone close to you, a lot of people won't even think about it. You know, and, and me, because it's personal and because, you know, a lot of people I've met through Hunter 7 and other foundations, um, it's like, I didn't know this was going on. I didn't know how, like, cancers and stuff. Like, I've always been like, hey, you know what, F cancer, this and that. But I didn't realize what cancer was until I started looking at it and and figuring out that, you know, these little particular matters are embedding into tissue and then they become cancer. Right. And just look at all the lung cancer. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing stories now that I'm more involved with the organization about, you know, kids 25, 26 years old just dying of cancer, man. Like, boom. I had uh, Mike Glover on. He was on our first show of um, um, Ground Truth. And he was talking about uh, soft special operations forces guys that he worked with. Tip top shape, having cancer, and then, and then they're dying, like, you know, eight, nine months later. And the other thing, too, is a lot of times you can cure cancers within a body if you have early awareness, if you have early testing. But if you don't know what is going on, hey, you know what? You know, I can't breathe worth the shit, blah, blah, blah. You don't think cancer right away, do you? But if you have studies and data saying, okay, such and such was a station on this post in 2015 and then, oh, by the way, seven other people had this specific type of cancer or, or something else happened. Maybe you can narrow it down and, and address it right away. Or at least do a case study with everyone that served with that individual and realize, yeah. hey, if this person got cancer, but he did it, where's let's find out why. It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's mind-blowing. So we'll jump, let's jump into 107 now. And one of the cool things through COVID, I saw you, you started doing like your backpacking and um, – these race type things and you're involved with Hunter seven. And the one thing that stood out for me with Hunter seven, I'll let you talk about it stuff is that the outside the VA, they're also allowed to do the medical stuff for veterans. Correct. Yeah. Um, which, which I love that. And a good thing about Hunter seven too, is they're made up of medical professionals. I am Dr. Jason Piccolo, but I'm not a medical professional. Um, I don't think strategic security and counterterrorism kind of puts me into that realm. But, yeah, they were made up of some great individuals who are now a, a team trying to actually figure out what's going on and partnering with other nonprofits. Because the thing is not and the thing with nonprofits is you need data, you need money, you need this, you need that. And it can't happen just by one person saying, having one day going, the good idea fair, you saying, oh, let's put up the good organization. So, yeah, they are doing really good things, and they're pulling this data. And they're going to figure it out, man. Now, is there is the government willing to work with them and be like, hey, once you have this data, since you are putting the time in to collect this data, let's work together to figure out what we can do? Or is this something where they just have to keep taking the spearhead this thing? You're going to have to, Hunter 7 is going to have to spearhead it. They're going to have to, um, with help from legislators, because it does have to, you have, in order to, for Congress and everybody else to jump on board with it, you do need to have some sort of legislation saying, okay, you know what? Step one, pass a bill to where we're going to collect the data. Step two, pass another bill. We're going to use that data to, you know, fund research. Step three, et cetera. So you're going to have to go through the steps. And I don't want the government, the VA, to be the enemy. They're not. There are good people in all these organizations, absolutely great people. The thing is, 
we have to get the message out there and we have to build partnerships. As much as I like to talk about, you know, administration A sucks, administration B sucks, this person's great. The reality of trying to solve this is people have to work together, irregardless of what their political beliefs are, whatever. Everybody that, you know, signs a contract to go overseas as a contractor, as a civilian and soldiers, they want to be healthy. They right. want to return healthy. And that health has nothing to do with political affiliation. Right. Now, what is why was Hunter 7 found in terms of what is the history of that, the name, and who was the, who was it kind of based off created for? Well, Hunter 7 is the, the call sign of uh, the Sergeant Major who died from toxic exposure. So that was his favorite call sign throughout his career, and the organization is dedicated to him. And it had, and since then, you know, there's been so many, like uh, Ron Shore, the yep. Medal of Honor winner. Um, I, I don't know, if Medal of Honor awardee. I, I, I never know how to, are they, yeah, winner, I get, you know what yeah, I mean? Right, right. But it's like, right. So it's like, man, you're starting to see so many people dying from toxic exposure, man. And I really, really want to emphasize that burn pits is, it's not just burn pits, it's exposure to toxins. And that's kind of what Hunter Seven is looking at. It's not just the burn pit organization. It's the toxic exposure because exposure can be coming from anything, man. And it, it's just, it's just mind boggling that this is all out there, man. I can't stress that enough. I, I would really tell people, look, go to hunter7foundation.org. Um, type in burn pit, type in uh, toxic exposure into the your search engine and try to figure out, you know, make your own decisions. And if you can support the organization, please do. One of the things, obviously, you just talked about, but they also deal with medical exposures. And with the last year going on with the mm -hmm. pandemic, with a virus that attacks the lungs and breathing, it's yeah. just, it's almost like the perfect concoction of just like a health nightmare for for anyone in general, but these veterans too that are already kind of dealing with these issues, they don't know they have yet. Yeah, can you imagine you're like me? I'm, you know, I'm damn near fifty years old now. <laughs> I mean, I'm almost in that that uh, I'm almost in that that category, man, which is kind of sad. But what if you're like a, a 26, 30 year old uh, individual, and you know you th you think you're in tip top shape, but you don't know your lungs are damaged from this particulates, and then all of a sudden you get COVID. Now what happens? And then what happens if you get COVID and you go into see a doctor and they don't understand, they don't realize that you've been exposed to toxic um, particulate matter. And that's one of the things that Hunter 7 really wants to raise awareness of is have some sort of questionnaire, have some sort of baseline for when anybody does go in, you just ask them the question. I mean, looking at me now, if I wasn't wearing like a flag hat and, you know, tattoos all over the place, people probably wouldn't think I was in the military at any time, you know? Right. So, I mean, a doctor is not going to automatically go, oh, you were, um, yeah. You know, I went to, I cut myself a few weeks ago. This is a, for instance. And I go in there and I, I wrap my badge using. I uh, saw that. John Doerr's uh, knife. Yeah. Pretty nice bandage, huh? What's up, brother? <laughs> but I, I wrap it up with an Israeli bandage and I go in there and none of the doctors are military except for one. And they think it's like a homemade tourniquet and they're all going crazy. The one girl is like the one uh, nurse who was in the military. She goes, 
That's an Israeli bandage. So what is that? What, what's the moral of the story? Doctors don't know. Someone comes in there and they're, they're complaining of chest um, issues or complaining of, hey, you know what? It could be anywhere in your body. And, but, and they don't realize what toxic exposure are and burn pits. They wouldn't ask. They wouldn't be like, hey, you know what? Were you in a, did you happen to be in Bulad in 2006? No, they're not going to ask that stuff. But if you have that on a medical questionnaire, a few sentences here and there, were you in the military? Yes. Were you, where were you stationed to or wherever, you know, whatever the, the questionnaire could be, but then you have data. It is. It's really crazy because when I do security for some of these some of these countries with clients, I'll I'll get like a yellow shot card or like a mm -hmm. questionnaire where it's like, hey, have you ever done this? Blah 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 blah. It's like I get it, but you would think that there'd be something where someone like you, like, hey, you get to the hospital and oh, we might have COVID. Well, let's look at this chart here or whatever the database of a veteran. Oh man, burp. Like it just it seems like. There's a lot of work to put that together, but why not put it together? It's yeah. just. You're already filling out 50 different forms when you go into the. Right. The med you know, it's uh, so if someone wants to get involved with Hunter 7, do they do some stuff where it's like uh, runs or like marches and stuff like that? Or, or is this more of like a, hey, give them a call and just donate and stuff like that? You know, donations is great. Corporate donations is great. Um, you know me, I'm always trying to raise money for. Yep organizations i could guarantee you right now that any money going to hunter seven isn't going to someone's fat paycheck that's one thing about the nonprofit realm that i just drives me nuts i will not support an organization if i find out that you know their ceo or whatever is making big bucks off the backs of donors um so hunter seven money is going to the cause it's going to pulling data it's going to raising awareness and it's going to be going to fixing this problem. So the best thing to do is go to hunter7foundation.org. Follow them on social media, Hunter 7 Foundation. Share their message. I don't expect anybody to be donating money that if they don't have it. Money is great. Raising awareness is a lot better. Corporate donations. Hey, if you're a corporate corporation out there and you want to help, absolutely. It is a nonprofit 501c. So your money is going to be tax it's not going to be taxed. You know what I mean? Right. So if you want to do the right thing, you can do that. But I always tell people, I'm like, I, I don't want mom and pops out there who are struggling to be giving money. You know what? Share, like, do what you can to raise awareness. And and that's the biggest thing to help, man. So uh, definitely, brother, whatever you could do to help spread the message. And I no. think you have me on your show, man. No, I love it. It's one of those things, too, where it, here's you talked about it. I only... I do of burn pits for those movies and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, you see the stuff burning. But I never realized until I saw what you were doing with Hunter Seven and stuff. And no, thank you for bringing attention to it. I I think that uh, it's unfortunate that it's happening and it's a problem we have. But I also hope that with everyone talking about now, people like yourself and Hunter Seven, that it does become become mainstream. Whether it is a properly produced documentary or literature that comes out or movies or TV shows and stuff that come out where you look at Netflix, all the bullshit they put out now, you can't, you tell me you can't dedicate five, six hours to five stories yeah. affected by the same bird pit. Like that's you, stuff that would change lives. Mention the word agent orange are actually two words. Right. Anybody, they know what it is, but how long right. did it take them to get there? 
You know, right. I want this to be, I want burn pit to be recognized as toxic exposure. It's not just burning and it's not just smoke. It's what's in that smoke that's killing us. Right. Well, I want to thank you, Jason. Uh, before I let you go, I know uh, you've got your podcast, Protectors, and everything going on, but what else do you have going on? I know you, uh, I've been seeing you on some TV clips lately. Uh, or TV, so how, brother. Yeah, so how'd that come about, if you want to just uh, briefly talk about that? Sure. I um, You know, I've been on Court TV, I think, almost every week. This is probably one of the only weeks I haven't been on, besides Christmas breaks in September. And um, because I have a vast, diverse career in the government, um, as a federal LEO from a special agent supervisor, working everything from, you know, narco trafficking to fugitives, Al Qaeda. Um, I go on there and I talk about, you know, I, I, we do the analysis of, you know, current cases and stuff like that. So it's really cool, man. Court TV, you can always kind of see me on there. If you're not following me on social media, I will post about it the next day. I'm going to go on at Dr. Jason Pickle on Instagram is my favorite. Um, and then what else? The Ground Truth Podcast. We have episode one has been out with Mike Glover. And um, that is going to be Ground Truth by Hunter 7. I'll be hosting it and I'll always have co-hosts. Um, and we'll be answering questions and it's trying to raise awareness to this. So follow that on Amazon Fire TV, Vimeo, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. Same thing with the protectors. Um, and by the way, I don't make a dime off of any of this stuff. I always tell people I'm not doing any of this for profit. That includes the protectors. Um, eventually I'll get a sponsor, but for now, this is just me, brother. Yeah. It's one of those five, one of those things too, where it's like, uh, like myself, like yourself, I put time into it and there's no money involved. There's countless hours. Mm -hmm. You're kind of emailing, networking, researching, which I love. The reason I yeah. started what I do. Um, but it's, it, I love the idea of the, putting information out there, whether it's human trafficking or domestic abuse mm -hmm. or martial arts or, uh, burn pits and you're kind of like man this is so cool that in a time of uncertainty this last year that we can actually do this type of stuff where yeah man. hey but I, I also too like i'm about to launch the merch for the spear talk uh but it just it's just to kind of get the idea out there that there's some awesome stories and people that kind of I, it's i wish this these people these warriors were mainstream not some mm -hmm. multi-billionaire actor that tells you who to vote for how about you yeah, tell exactly. me about burn pits? So that's where that's where I'm at with it. Uh, whatever I can do to support your stuff, it's, we'll, I'm glad we do it. And same here, and I'm sure I'll, I'll be back on in a few months. I'm working on a book on trafficking, like you mentioned, and because uh, I am, I have my hands in a lot of different things. But I'm at the age I mentioned. I'm almost fifty. I'm forty-eight plus now. Um, that I want to work on things that that make me whole. Raising awareness about burn pits makes me whole. Um, raising awareness about trafficking. Absolutely. I have to do it. Um, so I'm, I'm doing these, those types of things, brother. I love it. Well, uh, thank you for everything today, Jason. And, uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me on brother. Thank you. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, 
I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.